0: Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Welcome
1: to Houston Sports Talk's first live Texans postgame show. I'm Robert Land alongside my co-host, Sports Radio 610's Sean Bajani. He's on my left, right. I'm not sure, but he's the guy that's not talking right now. Between the two of us, 45 years combined in sports journalism, 35 years covering Houston sports, 34 to 24 Chargers, the final score. You guys, I'm sure, know that by now. And, Sean, you're out at NRG. Any news from the Texans locker
0: room? Any update on Derek Stingley, for example? Uh, Stingley spoke after the uh, game, Uh, so that's always a good sign. Typically when guys are hurt, like really hurt, they're not going to talk after the game. Stingley uh, just said multiple times. He was asked three times uh, by reporters about his left arm and his health, and he said he was fine. Um, I think it was Levy Smith who said his post game press conference that it was a bruise. Um, whatever it is, you could tell Stingley was in some pain after the first time he came out. The second time on the field, still grabbing that left arm. I, for a guy who was kind of side eyed Robert for maybe being um, a little soft, at least maybe that was a little scuttle. I I really appreciate. I love the toughness that I seen from the uh, rookie today. Yeah, he's shown a lot
1: in his first few games. He's getting there. It's going to take some time, though. we got to be patient with him. And reminder, we guys need you to subscribe, like, and comment on YouTube. Uh, that's how you can support the show. Make sure to look for our midweek show with the latest Texans, Astros, Rockets, and Cougars conversation. But let's get to this one. We like to take you possession by possession. First Texans possession. Instead of the usual three and out, Sean Davis Mills mixes it up with a third down interception. Titus Howard's man, Uh, Khalil Mack, causes Mills' arm to get hit on the throw. That leads to Jalen Petrie getting beat on a touchdown pass. I was prepared to praise Petrie, Sean. Next-gen stats had him ranked number four overall among all safeties uh, going into this game. So he was looking good. Uh, But let's go back to the interception. What did you see
0: on that? You know, I I saw great makeup uh, by Petrie. You know, he got beat on a good move. Uh, on that play and was still able to get a hand in there and make it a contestable uh, ball. Um, so I like the fight. I like the grit on that play. You know, we haven't seen him in coverage in those types of situations all too much. What we've seen most from Petrie is him coming in and cleaning up some plays um, and maybe being a second guy in pass coverage uh, to a corner or another safety. So, uh, you know, maybe this is something the teams kind of look at going forward that they see a little bit of a weakness here. Or they can try to exploit or, Uh, test if you will the young rookie which I think is going to come this is still a very young season there's a lot of film to you know go through as as teams are going to continue to scout this team scout these rookies Uh, the Texans and Petrie uh, is a guy that I don't really worry about to me he's shown already that he belongs not just as a tackler not just as a guy who can play in the box um, but still Even today, after that touchdown, still a guy in coverage that I feel like uh, we should all be pretty excited about going forward. Let me
1: go back to the interception because I don't know what you thought, but I put this on Davis Mills. You could see Khalil Mack right in his face. You could say, well, yeah, you're going to make a better block there. But, you know, we're talking about one of the better pass rushers in the NFL.
0: Yeah. And you know, that play was kind of bang, bang. I, I initially just thought Mills boy airmailed, uh, Nico Collins and he was throwing the ball exceptionally high, uh, most of the day today. And I, I, I had to go back and watch it. Maybe you can tell me if you watched it in the slowdown version, if that hit actually contributed to the ball elevating, um, and going out of reach of Collins, which was also, it was also behind him. Um, for the interception. So I, I'm not exactly sure. I just know it was a problem for Mills all day today. And But I tell you what, just as soon as you thought the guy uh, was, you know, going to curl up in a corner and, you know, cry and call mom, he comes out with the big plays in the second half.
1: Yeah, I, you know, we'll get to that. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if I want to say anything yet. But Texas' next possession uh The team that can't shoot straight. It's just like whatever can go wrong goes wrong. Kenyon Bree called for a holding on a 30-yard Cooks reception. Rough day for Kenyon. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit too. But then Mills sacked on third and long, a coverage sack on defense. Blake Cashman drops an interception, hits him right in the chest. But at least they force a three and out. Texans drive into field goal range. But again, they fire the gun directly into their toe, another self-inflicted wound. Uh, Tunsell called for a false start on third and five followed by a super lame I don't know what you thought about that play call Sean shovel pass to Burkhead on third and 10 which leads to Fair Baron missing a field
0: goal of course I don't like any play call to Rex Burkhead at this point in time and I know he scored a touchdown on what I actually thought was a brilliant play call um, and I'll explain why because I know we'll get to that possession here in a little bit but look those third and long situations unfortunately the Texans have been in a number of those today like I guess you know it's a pulse that maybe Pep Hamilton has or maybe even Mills has at a certain point in time where he's like look I'm just not feeling it I'm not able to get the ball down this is a big situation if we got space go ahead and make this call and see if Rex can bust one but again I go back to what we talked about this week you know on our Wednesday show and even last weekend show nine plays in a 10-year career that have gone for 15 yards or more. Rex Burkhead will not give you the big play. It's not going to happen. So stop looking for it. Stop hoping. Stop wishing upon a star. It's not going to happen. So, yes, seeing that alone, I did not like that. you are three and
1: one You're not going anywhere. We knew you weren't going anywhere. Rex Burkhead has never gone anywhere as far as, Big plays for a guy that you could go to. The only good news with Rex today zero, zero running carries, none. So Pierce got all the carries today. And, you know, we're going to talk a lot about him because this was a breakout for him. But the Chargers follow this possession up with an easy drive down the field. One play in the drive, couldn't beat more Texans. And let's get to it, Sean. There are two receivers right next to each other. I saw four Texans defenders in the area, but nobody is within five yards of the pass. This is
0: an epitome of what was going wrong in the first half. Yeah, they, they just could not. They struggled in coverage really all day long, and for some reason they either completely uh, did not game plan for Austin Eckler, or they forgot he was on the field, they forgot the Chargers could play with 11 men also. I couldn't really figure out what was going on, and there were a number of plays, and two really big important ones that I know we'll get to on the Chargers' final drive that really gashed them and hurt them. And the thing is, we're going to talk about them, Robert, and a lot of people are going to point to, you know, two, three, maybe four, maybe a handful of plays throughout this game that really hurt the Texans. I'll tell you, it was probably closer to about 10 or 12. And Nick Casario talked about it back in August before a game was even played. He says, you know what, every NFL game comes down to 10 or 12. Look, some do, some don't. Some are really just about three, four, five plays. The Texans made a lot of mistakes today. And Lovie Smith cannot be happy with his team defensively. The amount of big plays that they gave up uh, in space where, as you mentioned, there was nobody around uh, to make a play, to contest a ball. That's That just can't happen for a team that, you know, is so lauded oh, well, we're not just a Tampa two. We're a, we're a team, you know, that that can adjust. And, you know, we've got a lot of things going on defensively. We have guys that can make plays. You might have guys that can make plays, but if they're not in position to do so, it's going to be a long day. And today, unfortunately, it was. Three and out. And tell me if you've heard this one
1: before. Davis Mills misses his receiver by five yards on third down. And the Chargers walk down the field for a TD As I told Sean Bajani a few days ago, the Texans' defense proved nothing these first three games because they played three below-average quarterbacks. Their first real defensive test was a disaster against a real quarterback.
0: Yeah, Mike Williams made the Texans' defense look like Swiss cheese in particular on on their fourth uh, offensive drive uh, for the Chargers. Had that 50-yard catch and run to the Texans' 20. That set up that 20-yard run for uh, Austin Eckler, who scored that touchdown. That was a bad defensive possession for them. And it looked like, you know, this bend but don't break mentality, I mean, was finally really coming close to breaking in in, in a bad way. Um, But I know we'll get to it. The defense, you have to give them credit today, Robert, were a big part of the reason why the Texans even sniffed a chance in the fourth quarter at a go ahead score. Before I totally
1: slip my wrist with everything that was going on, Damian Pierce finally breaks one 75 yard touchdown run. And a huge game for him, Sean. What a game for Damian Pierce. You look at the final numbers, 14 carries, 131 yards, 9.4 yards
0: per carry. Nobody else, like I said, had a carry for the Texans in the entire game. And they shouldn't have. Unfortunately, what did you say Damian Pierce finished with? 13 carries? He had nine of those in the first half. I'm not exactly sure why the Texans refuse to play Damian Pierce in the most important moments of football games he is literally maybe your maybe your best player that you know you can get the ball to when you need to get him the ball because all you have to do is hand the ball off he's the most important player not named brandon cooks on this entire offense and it's just egregious i think the lack of 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 just i don't know common sense and, I, and maybe it's not even that. Maybe there's something a little bit deeper going on here, Robert. That that this is a systematic progression, and they know darn well what they're doing. And I think it's I think we need to have a larger conversation about Damian Pearson's lack of usage going forward.
1: Yeah, it's like Roundhogs Day. I don't I don't know what else to say about it. You hit the nail on the head. So the Chargers walk it back down the field again for a field goal, twenty-four to seven. Then the Texans drive it down the field, fourth and one. Davis Mills sacked. James Lofton said it was on the coaching staff for not calling timeout. They should have seen Khalil Mack was unaccounted for. But, Sean, we go back to scapegoat Burkhead or scapegoat Rex. So I'm going to start calling him scapegoat Rex because he he could have chipped Mack when he went into that pattern. And you could tell Mills had his eyes on only one guy, and it was scapegoat Rex coming out of the backfield. He was just waiting for him to get open. And, of course, uh, nothing went right on that.
0: Yeah, and where's Damian Pierce? This is exactly what I'm talking about. It is the most important play for the Texans in the game to that point. And the guy that just broke off a seventy-five piece, you know, last possession, where's he at? Where is he at? And it's so telegraphed. Like you need you need one yard. Damian Pierce could just be fifty percent and give you that one yard with the way that, that guy's run the football this this season so far. And you're gonna go with Rex Burkhead. This goes back to deception and a lack thereof you know today what I did see from the Texans offense and I paid more attention to it early in this game of the first half in particular we saw a little bit more pre-snap motion to shift the defensive line a little bit that's important I think we need to see more of that going forward the Texans use motion the the least amount than any offense in the entire NFL to this point in the season they did it a little bit better today but It becomes more about just pre-snap motion. It becomes about the personnel that you have on the field. And if you don't have your best player on the field, then what are you really trying to do at that that point? Rex Burkhead is not going to do it. And you're going to roll Davis Mills out on a fourth and one? Why?
1: (laughs) And it's funny because he was really good rolling out to his right last year,
0: but we haven't seen it a lot this year. I don't care. I don't and, care. It's it, yeah. fourth and one, and you have yeah. Damian Pierce watching, just like you and me, with the best seat in the house, and he's not getting the football on that play, or at least the thought by the defense that he could be getting the football at play. He's on the sideline. That's ridiculous.
1: You could have uh, brought in the backup, who's actually a pretty good runner, if you were going to do something like that, but you have to have Pierce on the field, and you could have had a double threat at the line of scrimmage. Who's going to get the ball? I mean, a lot of options. It just seems like Pep, always picks the option that none of us understand. So before that, the Chargers walk it down the field again for a field goal before halftime. And I guess now, Sean, maybe you want to move over to any biting breakdown of the Astros, because I think everybody was turning the channel about at that point. It's like, wait, wait, hey, what's yeah. going on with the Astros? Aren't they about to start?
0: Yeah, you know, it was, it was funny, uh, because that field goal drive by the Chargers before the half, there was a buzz going on still in the stadium from that 75-yard touchdown run. I mean, it it was just juiced in here. I mean, people are pumped for for Damian Pierce and then to not have him on the field on that fourth and one, but it was still going on. And then never mind, you know, it's just Justin Herbert carving up the Texans defense, bam, 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 bam. Some way, somehow the Texans, you know, and this is why I believe they do have a lot of good pieces already in place they believe they're that close every play. And maybe that's just being young and dumb. Maybe that's just, you know, good veteran mentorship. I don't know what it is. But they were able to carry the defense and what they were able to do, holding the Chargers to a field goal on that drive, because they very well could have scored a touchdown with the way that they made the Texans defense look prior to that. And then they were able to utilize, like, just think, man, we're we're one snap away from busting another one with Pierce. Problem is, is you only use them four more times in the entire second half. Let's go to the third quarter. The Texans D finally stops the Chargers
1: to start the second half after just, you know, walking it up and down the field most of the first half. But they got a dropped pass, thanks to a dropped pass on, by the Chargers. But their next drive goes nowhere, and that's because Tunsil gets a holding penalty, and then there's a delay of game. I mean, again, it's just how can we screw ourselves again and again and again? So on defense – They stopped the Chargers at midfield. So let's go to a Texans touchdown drive. Thanks mostly to who else? Again, Damian Pierce on the ground, catching passes, doing a great job blocking on a huge Jordan Aikens catch to the six. I mean, I don't feel like talking about scapegoat Rex getting the touchdown. I want to talk about Damian Pierce, Sean, because at least he was doing things all game long. And I said he was going to be a pro bowler one day in this game verifies it when you let him have the ball more often and you throw the ball to him and you figure out ways to keep him in the game because he can do everything
0: you know you're, you're, you're gonna have a pro bowl caliber running back yeah I, I really do think it's not too strong to say this the guy can be special I think the guy is special to be quite honest with you and it's unfortunate that he made very it feels like he's going to waste a season of his career being utilized, underutilized this season. I, I, I think the Texans very well know what they have in Damian Pierce, but they're protecting him to some degree. Um I asked Damian Pierce flat out after the game today, how are you handling your usage through the first four weeks of the season being off of the field for the game's most important moments. And this guy was the most upbeat, jovial, positive, gave the most positive response that I I couldn't have scripted it. This is a guy that buys, and you talk about buy-in from your young players, from anybody in the locker room, Damian Pierce is completely bought in. I mean, it's no BS. He went directly to Rex Burkett and said, There's a reason why this guy's here, and I'm fortunate to be able to learn from him. For a guy that knows how to be in big situations, be on big downs, see how he handles it, whether it be picking up a blitz or pass blocking or coming up with a big play, that's exactly what Damian Pierce said. And you can check it out uh, on my Twitter a little bit later on. I'll put it out there. I'll put the whole interview out there for you. But I mean, it's it's really incredible. That Burkhead touchdown, though, I do want to make a point here. I really thought it was a, a very, very good call by the Texans because. We talked about Davis Mills' struggles going to his left on anything. The numbers are not good. He has Rex Burkhead offset to his right in a shotgun set, cross his face, and that little dump off to Burkhead, wide open for that touchdown. I mean, he skipped into the end zone. I, the defense knows, hey, look out for Rex Burkhead when he's in the game. sections are probably going to look there. But they're probably not anticipating Mills going or doing anything to his left. I thought it was a really, uh, kind of a gutsy play call for Pep Mills in that particular situation because I had two people come up to me during that play and say, where the hell is Damian Pierce? Why are they taking this guy out? He is literally the reason the Texans are doing anything offensively. That's his touchdown. Fair, I guess. But in the instance of you're, you're trying to put yourself in a, uh, in an advan- advantageous situation, I thought a solid play call by Pep in that instance. You called him
1: Pep Mills, which is kind of uh, a Freudian slip there. It seems like that's kind of what those two guys, <laughs> we're melding those two guys together. And Makes it, sense. The, the two of them together, it's just not working real well. And you, you also talked about Pierce getting underutilized. I think he just stays in a good mood because he's used to that. He was Dealing with that for years at Florida as well. So, I mean, what else? What else does he know? I mean, at that's
0: fine. But he scored a touch. He, he scored a lot of touchdowns in his final year at Florida, and he only has two to date. The guy could maybe have four or five touchdowns to this point of the season if, in fact, the Texans would use him when we all think they should use him. He's your best back. He needs to be on the field a lot. And I'm not saying he's a bell cow or needs to be used as such, but in big moments when the game calls for it. You need to have your best guys on the field, and that hasn't been the case yet. Well, I can't agree with you more.
1: So the Texans' defense scores or forces a Chargers punt, and we have a Davis Mills fourth quarter sighting. Woo! I nearly fell off my chair. A rare screen pass for the Texans that actually worked near the goal line to scapegoat Rex, of course. And then a couple of great Davis Mills passes. He hits Nico Collins deep on the money, and then Brandon Cooks, for a touchdown, Sean. So he, 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 he did something in the fourth quarter.
0: Biggest play through the air all season long um, that did not have a whole bunch of yak attached to it. Uh, Mills through the air to uh, Nico Collins at that point was a huge play. Uh, Nico was pumped. And really just when you thought Nico might have started to really uh, show displeasure for Davis Mills as the 50-some-odd thousand people that were here watching this game today did, the Boo Birds came out a number of times today for the Texans uh, offensive uh, lack of output in particular. But that play really ignited this crowd again. And it was good to see back-to-back plays for Mills, who really started to look like he was in a rhythm. They come up with a big third-down conversion there to Rex Burkhead, the 58-yard play to Collins, and then you find Cooks. And it's like, man, where has this been all season? We haven't even seen this in chunks last year. Forget the juiced up numbers in the final five games for davis mills this looks like a really cool offense right now now can they finish it off they today they they found out what exactly i think they have to build off on and it's pep not overthinking stuff they know what they have you just got to figure out how to use it
1: okay so they got the momentum and then M.J. Stewart causes a fumble on the kickoff from ex-Texan DeAndre Carter, who gives us a little get it, a gift there. And there's a massive hit. He's busy celebrating, though, when Jalen Reeves' Maven recovers, which is a bad look. And then Kenyon Green whiffs on a block on offense. The defender strips Mills, but luckily they recover. So maybe the Texans finally getting things to go their way. But then Mills with a nub- another terrible Throw on third down, high and behind OJ Howard, Sean. That that could have been a first down if he hit him in stride. And although they cut it to three with the field goal, that was another missed opportunity by Davis Mills in a, in a fourth quarter again.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate too because, you know, Mills really made a good pass earlier in the game to OJ Howard, which was uh, broken up, and it was an excellent pass uh, deflection um, by I think it was a linebacker, it could have been the uh, strong safety there for the Chargers, but another opportunity. Uh, to uh, get O.J. Howard involved, who has really run some good routes for this team, Robert. If they can figure something out offensively, O.J. Howard can be a monster for this Texans offense. I really believe that. I mean, the guy's a big body. He's strong through contact. He runs good routes. He just needs to get the ball into space, and Mills had an opportunity missed there uh, to Howard in that situation. They have to settle for a 40-yard field goal. That. There were so many game-changing moments, such big momentum swings in a very short sequence there leading up to that 40-yard field goal where the Texans put themselves in great position to steal this one to complete the largest comeback in franchise history, which has never been done with a 2 and a 0 in front of it. They never come from behind 20 points down, 21 points down. They had that opportunity today, and it's just those things. They get their first fourth quarter points. They get their first uh, big chunks of big plays today, all in a span of just two, three possessions in the second half. They just couldn't close the door.
1: Yeah, I feel like that was the big play on offense, the OJ Howard play. But the biggest drive of the game for the Texans defense and the biggest play is coming right up because fourth and one, Eckler gets wide open out of the backfield, Sean. Wide open. Somebody blew an assignment on that play or that. You know, or that, that might have been another game changer for that.
0: Yeah, we, uh, somebody asked after the game, uh, Jalen Petrie, um, somebody else, boy. And we didn't get a great answer either time on what happened on that fourth and one situation with Eckler that went for 21 yards. And then just five plays later for the touchdown uh, on, on almost the same exact play. I did have a chance to go back while I'm waiting to go into the locker room and see what happened on the fourth and one. And whoever that linebacker was to the side, I couldn't see a number because it was kind of fuzzy. But they were in a three-point stance pre-snap. Well, generally that linebacker to that side is going to be responsible for any back that comes out of the backfield in the flat, okay? If that route continues up to the second level, then it should be the safety, which was Jalen Petrie on that side. Well, Petrie was distracted with another route that took him to the second level with Steven Nelson. Nelson ended up taking him. Petrie's in no man's land. You have a linebacker and a three-point stance get clogged up in the middle. Austin Eckler is wide open. And the Texans, uh, unfortunately, were unable to make that adjustment on that same drive, got burned and gassed the very same way. Yeah, wide open pass for Eckler into the end zone, he's, he rumbles and it's
1: uh nail in the coffin touchdown. And, you know, you, you watch both of those plays and maybe that's just the young defensive guys, but these linebackers, if it's their responsibility, and typically it is on the running back, I mean, they're not rookies, the linebackers, except for Garrett Wallow, unless it was, unless it was a Garrett Wallow. I can't, I can't remember if he was on the field, but I don't recall him even being involved in that. So, I mean, you just wonder what's going on. Like, Grugier Hill looked fantastic last year. I don't, I don't know if you remember. He was playing great football. He was everywhere. He was making tackles. Yeah. He was doing everything. He has been invisible this year. Just flat out, you just don't notice him in the game. I mean, he, he had some tackles today, and he was doing some things, but none of them were signature moments for him, and he
0: had a lot of signature moments last year. And uh, that That's really the thing. Gruje Hill hasn't had very many signature moments. I mean, he did make a really good stop uh, undercutting a guy for a short gain up the middle of the field, which I think at the time put the Chargers in a third and uh, long situation. Maybe it was a third and six um, earlier today, and that was in the first half. But you're right. I mean, Gruje Hill, especially the latter part of last season, was making some really good plays, and he certainly caught my eye uh, for a, a really easy to do for a team last year that had nobody. Uh, to watch for literally nobody to watch for. You couldn't care less about any one of these players. McGruza Hill certainly stood out along with Desmond King on this Texans defense last season. And that's what you need from your linebackers. But that's been the conversation really ahead of this game coming in with the chargers. Robert is the lack of play in um, stopping the run from the linebackers. The onus falls on them and really just the front seven defensively, not just on the linebackers. It becomes about, you know, the two defensive tackles and the DNs. They're not doing their job. They're making a lot of mental errors, missing tackles, missing, uh, you know, gap assignments. Gap integrity, that's number one. You can go across the board. You can talk to a little league football coach. He'll tell you the number one way to stop the run is gap integrity. And the Texans have certainly not had that to this point in the season. But your linebackers should be your stars. A. Hill, you know, I don't know how many NFL teams he would start for outside of the Houston Texans. But the guy's a damn good football player. Uh, For the Texans, he needs to show up in bigger moments, certainly. The Texans
1: don't ever seem to fool anybody in their misdirection or rarely do. And the other team always fools the Texans in misdirection plays. And there were so many times where you saw the Texans just over committing. And that's how it seems like, I don't know if you agree, Sean, but a lot of the run issues that the Texans have, they're over pursuing. Sometimes the running back, you know, cuts back and, and he's got wide open spaces. It's interesting. The Texans run defense stinks. The Chargers run offense stinks. So who won the battle of awful? The Texans did. 27 carries, 81 yards, less than three yards a carry. So you're, oh, great. That's fantastic. But the running back killed you. When it mattered the most, the running back killed you in the key situations because the the linebackers, again, I'm going to assume it's the linebackers on this particular case because it usually is when you're talking about running back and keeping an eye on them and making sure they don't get too far away. They just aren't doing their job. And you know what? I I know this season doesn't matter. You know, let's let's lean into being bad. We can get the higher draft choices, all that sort of thing. But, you know, if you're going to throw Rex Burkhead out there and you're going to say, well, you know, we're trying to be respectable and we're trying to do the right thing and we're trying to do this and that, well, then go find a linebacker because – Linebackers typically aren't expensive. If there's some backup linebacker that maybe could play the run just a little bit better than your guys, because I'm sure there are backups on other NFL rosters that are better than the Texans starters, because these guys are weak treads. They are guys that were not really in high regard by the teams that the Texans got them from, you know, from my understanding. And, you know, outside of, you know, waiting for a Garrett Wallow to come on or a Christian Harris, why not just go? Why not go grab somebody like that? I mean, you can typically get that with a later round pick if you're talking about some backup on somebody's bench. You know, hopefully there's somebody like that out there. I mean, because it, it, this it gets embarrassing week after week to watch the same exact things kill you.
0: Yeah. Uh Look, I'll, I'll just say this: I, I'm not going to kill the Texans linebackers alone because it, it does come down to what the defensive line isn't doing, run games. Inside zone, outside zone can only be successful if your offensive linemen are able to get to the second level and they're able to get to the second level. And so if that's happening, it's very difficult for linebackers to continue their angle of pursuit and get to where they need to be uh, their landmark when that's the situation. When you've got guards, tackles, fullbacks. Uh, getting up to the second level level and setting blocks so quickly to take those angles away from linebackers. It makes it really difficult. It sets up cutback lanes. Um, it gives them the outside edge uh, because that means the offensive line has beat the defense to a particular spot. So if you've got a guy that can stick a foot in the ground and get upfield like we know Damian Pierce can, uh, that makes it very difficult on the Houston Texans going forward. But I want to see a little bit more of a sample size for the Texans in terms of what this linebacker, group can do as Wallows just played a second game. 22% of the snaps last week. I don't know how many played today yet. I haven't seen those numbers. Christian Harris is coming off of IR, at least eligible to if there's not a setback uh going into week five. So hopefully he has a good week of practice and the Texans can start to utilize him. And maybe he's a guy that can um you know improve the Texans run defense down the road. But you're going to have to see much more from roy lopez who i saw some good things from today at times you're gonna have to get much more from the texans uh defensive ends as well we saw a a number of egregious plays over the first three weeks um in terms of containing the outside and none more than maybe last week robert with jerry hughes looking like you know a a third week player never mind a 13 year veteran who just got completely lost turned around didn't know where the football was lost all kind of uh, integrity and containing the outside when he's supposed to be squeezing and looking for that ball to commit beyond the line of scrimmage. It's just as much as the offense wants to say, and Damian Pierce had on this a couple of times today uh, after the game, it's not about the offense making MEs as he called it mental errors. Well, I think it is for the defense. I think there is a lot of mental errors going on for the Texans defensively, or maybe as Levy Smith quite simply said outright this past week, just, a lack of gap integrity in just not trusting the defense if it's that simple then i don't really worry about it because a couple of three weeks in you can you can fix a lot of that from film study and just practice but you do when the game is on the line you have to trust the defense and in a situation like eckler's 21 yard run on a fourth and one and then the whatever it was for the touchdown on that same drive that's when you need guys to believe and buy in and trust your defense the most. But I think we saw more of a mental mistake um, from a number of different players in that instance than anything else. And I've mentioned him earlier this year, but Jonathan Bernard,
1: I just was expecting more from him. You know, this should have been a breakout season for him. I just don't feel like he's impacting much of anything on defense and you know, you need him to beat somebody on the outside and get you an easy sack every now and then. If he's not going to make
0: any impact in the run game, and he obviously doesn't do that. Yeah, I, I don't know where he was today. Um, when when you are looking for guys like last week, you know, offensively for me, Nico Collins had four catches last week. I I didn't see one of them. <laughs> I, I watched the game pretty intently. I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember where Nico was. And that's kind of the similar situation with Jonathan Gennard. You know, he maybe flashed a time or two last week and over the last few weeks where he needs to be a guy. He's supposed to be a guy, Robert, coming off of an eight-sack season last year for a horrible team, a terrible defense. This is going to be a breakout year for him, Uh, you know, as a team continues to take this step towards rebuilding and learning how to be competitive. That's a guy that you need. You need Christian Kirksey to step up. You need – you need consistency from your linebacker core. And we have not seen that to this point. Now you're four weeks in. I'm gonna give this team another couple of weeks because you generally don't know what you really have until you're about five or six weeks into a football season. Because injuries happen, you're working, you're figuring out rotations, you're figuring out um where what's the best situation to play, guys talk let's let's have a real serious conversation after week six and I think we're going to know a lot about this football team going forward who's going to be a part of it in the future you
1: mentioned Nico Collins three catches 82 yards he had five targets in this game Uh, you look at what he did and there was the big catch he was noticeable today because of that huge catch that he made in the fourth quarter Uh, I, I just don't know what to think of Nico because you know I don't I don't know what davis mills is actually seeing out there and when nico is open and we know he doesn't even have to be open because he's the type of guy that can make contested catches because because of his length and his size and everything else and we've seen him do that in the preseason but it seems like once the regular season started up uh you see davis mills go right back to brandon cooks and his blankie from last year and today that was good there were seven catches on seven targets for 57 yards but one of the things that i just don't understand and you've been out there is this talked about when you're talking to these guys or has this been mentioned in a press conference i have watched four straight weeks of davis mills missing high like not one yard high not two yards high but five yards high it over and over and over again it's the same stuff same missed high throws every single game and sometimes it's to the left and sometimes to the right but it's always high it seems like that's something that needs to be talked about if you're the Texans at practice and how do we fix that and how do we get his throws how do we get him to come down a little bit with the football because those high throws not only are you missing guys but you're laying out your wide receiver you're possibly getting guys hurt if you continue to do that and it just makes it a lot less likely that you're going to get interceptions because the ball's not going to get tipped because a guy's reaching for it or it's not going to sail and somebody downfield's going to make a play I, I just don't get how we're still four weeks in and this is the same issue the same problem and he's doing the same thing every single game and nothing changes
0: uh it has been talked about to a degree Brandon Cooks actually made mention of it uh this past week ahead of this Chargers game and his uh availability to us Wednesday or Thursday I can't remember what day it was but He said in terms of pass catching, him and Mills do have a ton uh, to work on. Uh, Nico is very hush-hush. He doesn't say much, um, but they don't need to say anything. I can tell you, in the 30 minutes um, on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday that uh, the media has the ability to observe practice in the morning, um, there's a lot of work being done with Pep, Tyler Johnson, Pharaoh Brown, Damian Pierce from time to time, and I can't remember who else. On a side field while everybody else is in their individual uh, position drills, they're constantly working high ball, low ball, rolling out those sideline throws. I've noticed that quite a bit, and I generally am able to take some pretty good video and tweet that out for you at Sean Bajani if you want to check it out Monday, (laughs) Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, I usually have some of that stuff. It's a thing. It's certainly a thing. Um, and they would probably work that anyway. But if you go back and watch the game today, you'll notice a number of times when Mills had the opportunity to step up in the pocket, Robert, he sailed a lot of those balls. They were overthrows, overthrows and or behind his receivers. We saw that to O.J. Howard today. We saw that to Nico Collins a couple of times. Uh, Brandon Cooks, uh, thankfully, he had his hands with him today because he made some really good catches that a lot of other receivers probably had no business making because the ball wasn't put where it needed to be. He saved Mills' butt a couple of times today. But Mills has hung Cooks out to dry about three or four times over the last couple of games where he could have just gotten absolutely smashed. He did it to Damian Pierce on the very first uh, uh, look Pierce had after that 75-yard run, a little swing pass out to the right. Pierce could have gotten crushed, you know, if he catches that ball just a hair later. And those are things that Mills has just absolutely got to work on. And I think that just kind of goes with, you know, Look, not, not being able to look guys off, telegraphing things, having your mind made up before pre-snap where you're going to go with the football because if you can do that, chances are the defense is probably looking at it that way as well. I really question today a number of times, and I want to see it going forward, especially when I go back and watch the All-22, and just see if Davis Mills is really able to see the whole field. Because if a, guy, if a quarterback is not really able to see the whole field or even given the time to look at the whole field, you have to make some of those pre-snap determinations. All right, well, I've got to go here or here. It's got to be quick. Got to be quick. And sometimes a quarterback can be thinking so much about getting the ball out so quick that he's going to throw the check down nine times out of ten. And we saw that a lot today in the first half to a tight end or running back. didn't matter if it was Burkhead or Pierce. That's where the ball was going to go. And that that's a problem. That can hinder a Pep Hamilton offense, which, you know, should have a lot of questions as well. But it it's gonna be it's gonna be a process and I'm not I'm not ready to throw in the towel on Davis Mills yet, because I do see small improvements here and there, just no consistency.
1: Yeah, I don't know about improvements. I, I, I will say that you know, he gave you a little bit in the fourth quarter, I guess. That that was the improvement today. But the other quarters were so bad, especially the first half was so bad. Um, But also, I wanted to ask you about the offensive line because Kenyon Green looked a lot like a rookie today. Penalties, he got burned some. Uh, Titus Howard, he's been a little bit rough the last two or three weeks. Um, I thought he did have a really good game against the Broncos, came back a little bit. Last week, but this game was not a good one, I think, for Titus Howard. Now, you know, it's a tough assignment that he had. Uh, he had one of the best, you know, edge rushers in the game. But, you know, just he didn't handle it all that well. And these are the ones that you need that right tackle to really step up for you. What, what, what are your thoughts on the offensive line and some of those guys?
0: I think you're spot on on Kenyon Green uh he had a couple of really bad sequences today uh holding and then the personal foul. I think he had a holding call early in the game as well um and and look, those things are gonna happen, but I start to really worry about it if it becomes a consistent thing what i've what I've noticed uh about Kenyon Green is when he does make mistakes, it's back to work immediately uh looking at the video, and he's gonna fix that. As soon as he possibly can on the practice field the next day, and guys talk about that. That and really the big thing for him has been pass blocking, and I think for the most part, Kenyon Green, before the numbers today, and I don't know what they are yet. We have to wait until they come out. But you know, allowed like one pressure, you know, from the left guard position. So I mean, that's huge for a rookie. Uh, never mind a rookie, just anybody at that position. Um, on this offensive line. So I I think all in all, what he's done has been very impressive as a rookie, though. You're going to have moments like this where you're going up against, uh, you know, a a different uh, defense every single week. It's, it's hard to kind of consistently make those adjustments in your film study and in your technique. And so let's see if carrying Kenyon green can make some of those adjustments and carry it over to the following week. Titus Howard still, You know, how many years in the league is he, um, I think, has taken ginormous steps over the course of the last two years? You know, he's going to have a bad game from time to time. Unfortunately, you know, like when you've got Davis Mills back there instead of a more mobile quarterback, those mistakes are a little bit more magnified, Uh, whereas these are not things that we're probably talking about an hour after the game or, you know, a Monday after a game because you have a quarterback then kind of, uh, nullify some of those mistakes by offensive alignment.
1: Yeah, the, the thing that I will say is there was four sacks I want to say with Davis Mills and a couple of them were just coverage sacks or Davis Mills holding onto the ball too long. It was 100%. One, of those, one of those late in the game and he just basically walked in. He had a pocket and he and he panicked again late in the game. I mean, it's they're, at that point they're down by, you know, it's, they had already lost the game, but it was just one of those where you know, he just kind of walks into one. There was another one that he just waited and waited on that uh, third long play early in the game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just get rid of the ball so you don't lose your field position right there. Just, you know, find somebody to throw at their feet or something like that. And mm-hmm. that's another thing that he just doesn't seem to do real well is know when to get rid of the ball because there's just nothing there. And he's just waiting and waiting. And, you know, that's, that's somebody that's, you know, in his second year and he's... Anxious to make a play and he wants to make something happen. And he just got to figure out, you know, when to live another day. You know, you just got to take the take the bullet and let's just live another day instead of taking two bullets, which is what you do when you take that side.
0: 100%. Look, I saw the, the, the improvement that I saw from Davis Mills uh, today was, you know, still in his pocket presence. I thought he was able to step up in the pocket, showed a willingness to do so, um, uh, that more today hang in the pocket a little bit more maybe wait for something to open up um, you know as he missed that throw to uh, Nico Collins last week to end the ball game when he checked it down to Rex Burkhead if he holds on to that ball just a millisecond longer Collins flashes open on the seam and who knows what kind of outcome we could been talking about um, if he's able to complete that ball last weekend so I think those kinds of things are in his mind and like you said they resonate with the player and it's okay. Well, let me just move around a little bit more. Let me trust the pocket. Let me trust my blocking, and maybe something will open up. Well, you're going to get burned sometimes as well. Look, he tried to make a play happen earlier in this ball game too. He had ample time to find a receiver. He decided to tuck it and run. That lane quickly was swallowed up. I think that was one where Khalil Mack swallowed him up for a six-yard sack. It could have been somebody else. I'm not exactly sure. I think that was one that was in the third quarter. But there was that one. He stepped up in the pocket today, took a pretty good lick, air-mailed Collins early in this ball game on the Texans' first uh, possession. That was the interception, and I, I don't mind seeing that in a season like this, where you're trying to figure out who a guy is, what he can do. Um, because what do you what do you have to lose at the end of the day if you look at it from that point of view? The frustrating part is is if you had a quarterback that kind of understood. Who they are and what they're capable of, and knew how to trust, um, you know, players or pockets or blocks or whatever the thing. Maybe just trust their offense flat out. It's you're that you're that close, and that's what players see on film is the fact that you are that close. You're this play away, or you're that tackle away, or you're this catch away from making a difference and changing the complexion of a ball game. That's the frustrating thing as a fan. That's the frustrating thing, I think. Uh, you know, from a player's point of view, um, but very upbeat locker room at the end of this one today, Robert. I mean, they, they're they encouraged by the resilience that they showed defensively, offensively, the adjustments that they were able to make at halftime, not, um, you know, letting that deficit get to them, not letting the fans who booed them twice in the first half get to them and then once uh, in the, in the uh, second half really get to them. Continue to fight through, and that—that's a testament to uh, the—I uh, think—the mindset sent down from the top of this coaching staff to the players, and the fact that there's a buy-in. You saw it today.
1: Let me ask you this about Davis Mills, because you know we're—we're we're ta- we're still talking drop passes. We, we talked drop passes earlier this year in this game, In the second half alone they dropped three passes. Philip Dorsett dropped one. Chris Moore dropped two. I go help a brother out, but I also go. You know, it's Davis Mills' ball that he throws. Is it hard to catch? Is it, you know, a, is he putting too much on every single throw? Or should these guys be, I mean, they're NFL receivers, so they should be catching the ball, you would think. But that's part of being a really great quarterback is throwing those balls that are very catchable for wide receivers that make you look better sometimes than you are if, if you uh, if you do that
0: often enough. I think it's a fair question. Um, you know, a lot of the balls... When you when you see when you see drops, you know, this is why it's kind of difficult to be so uh, you know, damning, I guess, when you talk about uh the drop balls or you know, what kind of a ball Davis Mills throw, you gotta go back and really look at it because there's some balls today that Mills threw to some receivers, you know, like O. J. Howard, Nico Collins, uh that were really well contested balls. But then there was a lot, and if it was ever on display, I'd say today, where Mills doesn't have that touch. When he's able to step up in the pocket, that ball sails on him quite a bit. And maybe he he needs to take a little bit off. Maybe he needs to throw his guys open a little bit more um, and and trust that. But it's really trusting your offense. It's trusting the routes being run. It's trusting your receivers. And to me, when you hear your best receiver talk about um, the chemistry not being there, the continuity not being there, just uh, the catchability of the balls from Davis, talking about Brandon Cooks, when, when that's still an issue after training camp, after preseason, which they did not play by the way. And I just have thoughts on that. And I just think it's ridiculous when you protect guys to, to that degree and you don't give them reps, but I mean, you're four weeks in now and the fact that the chemistry is not there, especially to a guy that you routinely target at least seven to 10 times, every single game, it's concerning. And it's probably not the receiver. It's probably the quarterback. And I think it's a finesse kind of thing. I think it's just a feel that Davis doesn't have yet. And maybe he's, maybe he's a guy that never gets it, Robert. I don't know. It's time will certainly tell, um, but his clock is ticking.
1: Yeah. With Brandon Cooks, I mean, you wanted to protect him in the off season because he's a rookie. What is he? Rookie second year player, right? Sean, he's just starting. He's just starting out. You can't, you know, you don't want your young guys to get hurt early. No. Okay. He's not that. Um, Yeah. No, I just don't get it either. I don't. I don't understand it in in a lot of these sports where you get, you know, no chemistry with anybody. And at the NFL, there's no bigger chemistry. (laughs) it's no bigger chemistry league than the NFL uh, on a team. You know, where a guy's going to be, where he's going to be set up, everything from the offensive line, which the Texans routinely have no chemistry, to the quarterback wide receiver, to the where the running back is, all of that stuff. I mean – Damien Damian Pierce is another example. Like <laughs> maybe you would have been a little bit more confident in the guy if you ran him more than half a preseason game. And I always hear, well, it's the same. We're doing it in practice or whatever. It is not the same in practice. It's not the same as being on an NFL field in front of fans, going against a team that doesn't know your plays necessarily. It's a different thing. And that's a way – that you can be better to start a season. And maybe they get it together, you know, second part of the season. Maybe they do. And then you go, well, why weren't you together for the first part? And they're going to go, well, it's a bunch of rookies. But it's rookies that you didn't play. It's veterans that you didn't play. Whether it's Cooks or Laramie Tunsil or most of the offensive line that, of course, is having some issues early in the season or did, especially we saw in the first couple of games with chemistry and that's the real frustrating thing here is look this isn't we're not coming off of playoffs and super bowls this is a team that's got to learn all this stuff and chemistry starts with that and again they they are treating this entire thing like we're going to the super bowl this year that was the plan from the beginning and the texans have got to look at it instead this whole season is we, we got to get chemistry together we have to figure things out we got to play guys we got to let them make mistakes whether it's damian pierce or whoever. You just have to live with it. But if you think they're talented, which you do, obviously, then you have to live with mistakes, but you have to let them, you know, get a little bit of chemistry going.
0: This just seems like a very systematic, progressive formula that the Texans have with the way that they are utilizing their players. Um, how slowly they brought Kenyon Green along in the preseason uh missing so much time after a concussion after uh, a knee um working him in as a starter after the first game and a half and look he's had the reins now for what the last two three weeks um at the left guard uh look at damian pierce's touches you know they've gone from 9 11 to 20 to now 13 today the yardage production is certainly there but My God, he touched the ball 20 times on the ground last week and only 13 times today. Caught six passes for eight yards out of the backfield for the Texans. And I guess they're looking at total touches. They're bringing him along very, very slowly. I guess they don't want to risk, you know, serious injury with him, uh, you know, and and possibly lose him for a year that is really going to matter, which is next year, maybe. I, I don't know. But what about this year mattering? if damian pierce is on the field when he's supposed to be on the field as your lead back as your starting running back as your second best offensive player what are you doing when you've had this many opportunities to be in ball games not even just be in ball games win go win ball games go win ball games you had that opportunity and you put yourself into that situation today after trailing by 21 points with eight and a half minutes left, you cut it within three and your defense gives you a stop and you crap the bet again. And I I just, it, it, it to me, it's, there's something very egregious here and I don't think that they're stupid. I just don't think that we agree with their philosophy. Okay. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see how this thing continues to play out this season with their utilization of Damian Pierce, Kenyon Green, Jalen Petrie, Derek Stingley, who if Stingley doesn't get hurt in today's game, I do believe that Petrie and Stingley have played 100% of the snaps three straight weeks from the day that Lovey Smith said 100% of the snaps. That can't happen. We're definitely going to have to rotate some guys uh, and will rotate some guys next week he said that after week one, <laughs> they played 100 percent of the snaps. Stingley's been the guy to screw it up, and he's missed he missed like four snaps two weeks ago, and however many snaps he missed today, bam, went right back out there after a, a trip to the med tent. I don't know, man. It's, it's it, who you're choosing to protect, guys. That I, I don't really understand the whole decision process. I, I, I just don't agree with it. Like, it's one hell of a buy-in, Robert. When you're that close. And if I'm Damian Pierce, if I'm Brandon Cooks, if I'm a lot of these players, Laramie Tunsil, I'm raising absolute hell and I'm beating down somebody's door like, hey, what the heck are we doing here? Like, what's the thought here? I mean, we're this close. I mean, I know we're not supposed to be. And forget about who you're playing. Forget about where they rank defensively, offensively, who the hell their quarterback is. You're still this close to being 3-1 and after today's ballgame. 3-1. and That's really what they should be in my mind.
1: Yeah, just, uh, I'm going to go to a couple comments. Uh, Chris says, I, I don't understand fourth and one and Damian Pierce not being on the field. We talked about it. We agree. agree with you. Uh, Tony says, did Mills look good enough in the second half to give you hope? No, because I, there was just, uh, there were times where, you know, he, he made the bad throw, like the OJ Howard throw. And there are just too many times where he looks <laughs> like he's not even close. It's not like he's missing by a little bit. He's missing by a lot and it doesn't seem to change, and and if he can't correct it and the coaching staff can't correct it, at this point, four weeks in the season when he's making the same exact throwing mistakes, he's throwing it five feet over receivers. No, I don't have hope for Davis Mills, and he has regressed this year, and I don't know how I'm supposed to have hope for a second-year guy that looks worse with, I think, is better offensive line play and a better running back, and, you know, there's not the – there's not a whole lot of wide receiver, and I will grant you that, but I think the tight ends overall have played better um, this year. You know, we've had some flashes from Jordan Aikens or O.J. Howard, or, you know, and we've had some flashes. But, I mean, I, what do you think? Anything giving you hope with Davis Mills at all?
0: I mean, hope for him becoming a franchise quarterback? No. I mean, I I don't know. No. No. <laughs> Like with somebody, I think it was Jonathan Alexander, DJ Bienemy, maybe it was Brooks Cabina, uh, On Friday, we have a little sit down with Lovey Smith, and he asked him a pretty pointed question about, "Do you think Davis Mills can become a franchise quarterback?" And of course, Lovey was like, "Well, what's a franchise quarterback?" Da 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 he knew what we were talking about. And he was like, yeah, I get it. But all those franchise quarterbacks, name one. Somebody was like, oh, well, you know, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, Kyler Murray, Trevor Lawrence, you know, or th- uh-huh, stop. What did those guys look like, you know, after 14 games or 16 games, you know, did did you think they were going to be franchise quarterbacks? And that's kind of how the conversation went. But in my mind, I'm, I'm saying, Yeah, but coach, like, where they were drafted, that's why they were drafted, to be a franchise quarterback. And they were, you know, like your Patrick Mahomes, you know, had a little bit of time to sit back and look and observe. And, you know, we talk about that. You want to go back in the day to Aaron Rodgers, getting tutelage behind Brett Favre. You know, look, quarterbacks have been put in different situations. Some some you throw them in the fire, and they perform right out of the gate, and you're like, bam. Some, you set them for a little bit. They figure it out give an opportunity. You know, they seize the day somebody's gonna get Wally Pitt Uh, you know Davis Mills being a third round draft pick out of Stanford 14 games right now does not look at all like he should be and is going to be a franchise quarterback no but does he look like a guy that gives me hope to have the Texans in position to win some games that they're probably not supposed to this year, which is basically every game on their schedule because nobody gives this team a chance to beat anybody, okay? So is he a guy that's going to give them a chance to win? Yes, because he said it himself two weeks ago, we have, we're have we not a team that can overcome mistakes. Well, this is not a team that can overcome serious mistakes by their quarterback yet, but I think your defense, the defense showed today that they have the big play capability to do just that, overcome poor quarterback play. Damian Pierce can overcome poor quarterback play. Can Damian Pierce and his Texans football team overcome poor personnel decisions? Because he's a guy that is unfortunately not on the field to help you overcome any kind of poor play when he's off the field in the game's biggest moments.
1: I'm going to end with a a thought that I had because I was talking to RGCL, who was my original co-host of this show for six years, helped me get this thing started. And he said, why are you so upset? You weren't expecting anything from the Texans this year, were, were you? And I said, well, here's why I'm upset. I'm upset because the Texans are coaching this like they expect something instead of, hey, let's go all in. Let's be aggressive. Let's blitz. Let's play our young running back who's got all the potential in the world, even if he might screw up sometimes because we know down the road it's going to pay off, and he's got the real talent on this team to turn the corner with us and make us a better team. And, you know, Pep Hamilton has looked like garbage, and it's not that I'm upset with players necessarily. I'm upset with the way they're coaching this team, and that's why I get frustrated is because – The Texans play like with this kind of losing mentality and losing philosophy in the way that they're doing this. Like, why are you using this blanky and Rex Burkhead all the time? Why are you not throwing the ball down the field a little bit more? What about doing that? Why aren't you blitzing a little bit more? And, you know, they tried a couple times this week, but it was funny that they tried to blitz a good quarterback when they had three weeks to blitz bad quarterbacks when they were in trouble and they never did it. And then they blitzed the good ones a couple of good one a couple times today. And they got beat by it. It's, it's that sort of stuff. It's like, let's be aggressive. Let's go all out, you know, and I'm fine. If you blitz Justin Herbert, if you blitz him today, but you're blitzing everybody else, then I got no issue with blitzing, blitzing Herbert, but you can't just go, okay, we're going to blitz the good quarterback that probably knows how to deal with a little bit more. And then not blitz somebody like fields last week, or Matt Ryan, who's dead man walking in, in, with the Colts. I mean, he's old, thirty six, and he's you know he's not very good anymore. And they, they, there was just so many missed opportunities in the last few weeks to be aggressive and to say we're going to try to play winning football, and this is how it's going to be done. And instead, they're like scared. They're, they're coaching scared. They've they're, they've got the players playing scared. I think that's part of the the issue is the, the players kind of play scared out there, and you could feel it. And that's why I'm upset. You know, and I'm sick of it because I've been watching the same stupid mistakes for years. The same poor looking offense. It doesn't matter who the offensive coordinator. I think Tim Kelly has been the closest to showing me that he's a good offensive coordinator in the last few years, but it's it's been a lot of the same stuff now for for 6 years since the Bill O'Brien era started. We've seen a lot of the same stuff. I mean, there were some things that are similar previous to that, but it's just a lot of the same stuff of playing not to lose not looking prepared every week the texans it seems like with whether it's bill o'brien or this era they come out and it's a three and out or an interception or something terrible to start a game and i it's it's exhausting and tiring to go like your hopes are dashed almost as soon as you walk into nrg stadium or as soon as you turn on your tv set on a sunday
0: shoot your shot that's what we're not seeing the Texans do. You know, the last four games tell you that much. What What are we talking about? Missed opportunities. Why isn't this guy on the field at this particular time? Why haven't they done this when they've clearly shown uh, that they can take shots down the field? And they do have a guy that can go get a football. Um, you're talking about blitzing. Shoot your shot. Like, you know, if, if you get beat on a blitz, um, if if you got a quarterback that's able to just, bam, get that, beat the blitz, get the ball out quick, fire it into somebody in space, fine, I get it. But shoot your shot. Put the pressure on uh, them to make a play. Make them beat you. And Lovie Smith said it a couple of weeks ago. You know, it's talking about winning. We got to try to figure out how not to lose. You know, he said something to that effect. And I, I feel like the coaching staff in general – you know, has to take a lot of the blame because they need to figure out how to stop coaching, not to win and, and coach to win a football game. I, there are people out there and one of them is a good friend of mine. Um, Jeremy Branham, who I know has this opinion. I heard him say it as much a couple of weeks ago on his radio program that, um, you don't need to win football games to create a winning culture. I mean, go, go figure that. I, I guess, I guess. I mean, because at the end of the day, it's about the talent and whenever your team is constructed and you're ready to win, the talent will win out and they will win you football games. However, I don't understand having a group of 53 guys active on an NFL roster every single Sunday, them all believing that they have an opportunity to go win a football game today in their career. But eh, we're not really supposed to from an organizational standpoint because we have loftier goals. Like, so I don't think these guys are playing scared. I think they – I think they want to win. I think they do play hungry. I just think you don't have guys that you're used to seeing play hungry that would play that way on any other NFL team. You got a lot of Jags on this team. Just another guy with a few bright spots here and there on both sides of the ball. But at the end of the day, Robert, you probably have less than 10 guys easy that would go start for other NFL teams playing for your Texans right now. And the fact that they've been that close with this roster, with this group, that's disappointing. That's frustrating.
1: So that's our final thoughts. Just want to remind everybody before we uh, close off the live feed and tell your friends about us, by the way, let them know what's going on. We're going to try to do Texans live shows. If it's a home game, Sean's got to handle the locker room stuff. So it'll be a couple hours, probably about five o'clock, like it was on this one. Otherwise, we're going to try to do it as soon as the game ends and go live. But we'll let you know on Twitter. We'll let you know on social media what's going on with everything. Um, you know, I, I just want to remind everybody also that me and Sean, we're doing a midweek show as well. So go check that out. Um, Sean's out there every day. He's out there all the time at NRG Stadium. He's at the press conferences. He's in the locker room. He'll have some great information for you. Uh, it's at Sean Bajani. It's at HST podcast. If you want to hit up me on, on, uh, Twitter, uh, we want to hear from you guys. Um, again, make sure to subscribe but also to comment on YouTube and, and tell us what you think. I, I look at every single comment. I promise you. Um, I looked at the comments during the show in our, uh, in our, in our uh, chat here in the thread. So, um, really want to thank everybody for joining us and thank Sean as well. Another tough one for the Texans, 34-24, the final. Until next time, we'll talk to you later.
0: You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey,
1: you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.